call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 118 of Call It Friend of the podcast, where two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself and DJ Richie and my co-host Dana Kintirna watched two classic Japanese films from the 1950s, Yasujiro Ozu's Tokyo Story and Kenji Mizuguchi's Sancho the Bailiff. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations, please. Hell yeah, we're live. We're live. We're back. All right. We're back. We're back. We're not talking about the summer blockbusters of the days of yore. We're talking about the Japanese blockbusters of the days of uh, yore. 1950-something. 1950s, exactly. Before mm-hmm. we dig into those, just to, to give it its due mention, have you seen anything? you seen anything else besides these two this week? I don't think Definitely. so. I've, I started re-watching Station Eleven. Did I mention Oh, that? really? Oh, yeah. no, but that's sick. I should do I'm that. I'm about three episodes in, and it is the best thing in the world ever, and I love it, and I want to live in that world. <laughs> Why won't a massive pandemic kill 99% <laughs> of the, the world's population? That's all I'm asking for. We came so close, and yet we're so far away. It's such a nice version of the pandemic, though. Like, because the thing is, it's clearly, I mean, well, once you, you hear... get to do Shakespeare. Well, that's part of it, Yeah. But once you hear that it's based on a novel, it makes so much sense because it's um, meditative. It's not uh, it's not um, literally trying to construct a future narrative. It's just it's trying to think about it. Like, it's not a realistic scenario. What happens in that uh, show? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Which parts? The Shakespeare shit and the that's kid great. becoming that's the, you do. the anti-god. 20 years and after all the that pandemic, stuff. you travel around and do Shakespeare around like chicago and michigan and i'm not saying that wouldn't happen i'm saying that That's the exercise of writing and creating that show and the novel that it was based on is a thought exercise as to like uh, what what matters to humans after that it's like the way the indian fellow becomes a doctor without medical training which you I, can was do what you want one of my favorite uh, details in the show is uh, the way he ends up when he gets separated after um, everyone's dead you can become a doctor if you want you just say you're a doctor so you have indeed, to do yeah that's what he did. Anyway, so I'm rewatching that and it's great. And uh I'm loving it. <clears throat> I haven't watched any other I haven't watched any films though. So. And that's class. Uh I um I watched one and uh well it was um it was uh, a fistful of dollars. So uh nothing much to report there. I mean it's good. If people don't know it's good, you should know it is pretty good. I don't know, you have to be into spaghetti westerns probably, but uh, it is, even if you're not, this is one that has Clint Eastwood in it, so he'll carry you through. Yeah, I like uh, Fistful of Dollars. But that's the first one of the trilogy, right? That's the first one of the trilogy. Nowhere near so much as at least one of the movies this week. And just, that's not to shit on either of the movies. I think it's safe <laughs> to say both of the films this week are really good, right? Yeah, I I really liked one much more than the other. I bet it's, we're the same. Can I, I will I just say it? Go. Sancho the Bailiff is genuinely one of the best films I've ever seen. Yeah, I t- definitely without question. It's <laughs> one of the greatest films I've ever seen. The fact that this isn't globally famous like yeah, Seven Samurai is mental. It is 
fantastic. It's so complete, so skillfully made. We're not talking about it for another 30 no, minutes. No, no, so no, no, no. But, but we'll get to say it. About, yeah, Sense of the Bailiff is on YouTube. There are multiple copies of it on YouTube. I would highly recommend watching it. And we've had since, I think we've both been pretty similar on this, right? Because we've had since June to watch these two films. And I've yeah. watched both of them in the last couple of days. Because <laughs> I was... <laughs> <laughs> I had three months to watch these films and I was like, oh man. I've had them rented from Blockbuster 50s, for the last three months. That's black for sure. And white, it's yeah, yeah. Gonna, like subtitles and everything. I was just like, oh no. But Sancho the Bailiff is one of those films where I was like, I was, uh, yeah, well, we'll talk about it later. Let's, let's start yeah, with yeah. Ozu. Let's get the old Ozu. <laughs> let's get Ozu either way. All right. Tokyo story. So, I mean, Ozu, let's see. Um, is this the first Ozu film you've ever seen? Yeah, it's, it's one of those names that I've heard uh, many times in yeah. sort of like snobby film circles, uh, like re the Reddit, uh, True Film subreddit. Mark Cousins is in there talking about Ozu all the time. The thing exactly. is, okay, so, I mean, he's a true kind of, I'd run the comparison of uh, him alongside someone like John Ford, who they were basically... They were like, oh, what's the job I have? Oh, director, I'll be a director. And why they were being director, directing literally just in the silent era, Ozu is directing five films a year. Uh, yeah. After that, you know, he, he didn't become an, an artist as he's currently recognized until maybe the final five or six years of his life, genuinely. And Ford was in a similar tract. I mean, he got recognized earlier, but whatever. I mean, point being that I mean, Ozu is now regarded as, as this ultra-large figure, but he was just a jobbing director. Um, and when you hear about the idiosyncratic nature of his life, how he worked out... Yeah, no, a mad old life. Uh, yeah, I mean, he saw some shit. He, like, really did. He served in um, the Second World War, like, he, quite a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it occupied Nanking for two years after yeah, the like raping of Nanking. Yeah, like yeah. Um, wrote, wrote and had diaries published detailing things like um, comfort women and uh, mm. chemical attacks and all sorts of stuff. I mean, he did live a life. He began um, in silent cinema, as I mentioned, and a movie a year minimum witnessed so much. He was a known boozer and smoker until he died of lung cancer, lived with his mother until the end of his life, never married. Um, although he, just, he just never found the uh, right lady. Uh, the Noriko. There's speculation that he was um, the lover of the lady who played Noriko or that she was in love with him or whatever. Um, surely he was gay now. You think somebody who's that in touch with their emotions has to be gay? <laughs> yeah, because he touched a film camera. That's enough. Because he, he, he hung out with actors. No, just because he like lived with his mother for his entire life. The oh, rest right, of okay. the time when he wasn't doing that, he was, uh, he was you know, like around men. When he served in the army. Um, so this is the first of his films that you've seen, yeah? Yeah. And to be honest, I don't really recognize many of the others. Slash I've seen others. two others. I've seen the two other big ones, Late Spring and Early Summer. I'm sorry to say, I think they're better. That's not the opinion you're, you're sort of meant to have, but they're the, the identical style is the first thing I'll say. They don't go to Tokyo. They remain rural. No, actually, sorry. Um, Early Summer is in Tokyo. But... The straight shots, I think they're called the Tatsumi shots of people when they're speaking on the mats at a low angle yeah. and then moving around the house and the staying uh, in frame when something something useless to the story is happening. 
that's all in there in those other movies, as is uh, Setsuko Hara, who plays um, Noriko, a character named Noriko in the other two movies Noriko. as well. Now, I kind of preferred those other two movies. I remember enjoying them more. The, the plot is nearly identical in both of them. It's different scenarios. It's a, In the first movie, she's a young woman living with her father who... Her father, who's a widower, is encouraging her to get married. In the second one, she's living with her brother and his wife and two kids, and he's encouraging her to get married. And then in the third one, she's a widow. But I think, all right, we're talking about Ozu, so everybody should be ready for the pretentious level to get switched up to (laughs) max, because I'm going to get pretentious. These films are kind of like sort of Edward Hopper paintings in a way. You're supposed, and I encourage anybody, Nighthawks is his his most famous one. It's like stories told through moments. There's no melodrama here. And that's the strength. That's the point. It's the reason people like Mike Lee and Terrence Davies love these films. These are their main inspirations. These are paintings. And I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of seeing paintings I like more than once. Like museums I like, I, I go to them more than once to see them again if I, if I get the opportunity. I don't know how close I would come to seeing any of these films again. Maybe I wouldn't mind seeing Tokyo Story with a crowd again. I do think you can feel its impact on 20, 20th century cinema, like really, really feel its impact because he was interested in the non-dramatic moments. But you can also see why one year it was the sight and sound greatest film of all time. You know, it's not exactly what most people are looking for when they're watching a film. That was the hardest thing for me was watching it and going, I'm supposed to love this. I'm supposed to go uh, and yeah, raise yeah. You my gotta get past in the that. sky and go like, this is quite possibly the greatest work of art I've ever seen. I mean, I enjoyed it. What I, I guess what I liked about it is I could watch it and recognize moments from my own life. Like I could That's, see yeah, aspects yeah. of my own family in it and go like, yeah, okay, I can I can see how that this is definitely showing like how people live and how family functions and what it means to get older, what it means to be you know like an adult child with like elderly parents who are reaching the end of their life. I'm like, I, okay, I, I fully understand how that works. It definitely but, is impactful. But at the same time, now in 2023, I was kind of like, yeah. I mean, it's from 70 years ago, in fairness. I feel like it had more impact in 1953 because now yes. watching it, a part of me is going like, ah, okay. But yeah, still, it's, like, it's, always, it's always nice to see. It's nice to see what these places look like in, you know, 70 years ago. It's like um, when the main credit that people throw at the Mona Lisa is the shadows around the mouth. And then you're going, yeah, but people figured out how to do those way better after he figured it out. Um, yeah, I can do it on my computer. Exactly. <laughs> But no, I, like, I mean, the film is impactful in exactly the ways you laid out. Like, it's surprising that it's so relatable when it's so old and from a completely different yeah, culture. completely different culture. That's the, the, that's like, that's kind of like the, the main strength thing, of the film for me, is it like it supersedes culture. One thing that like really struck me in the middle of it, um, which it, and they like, I'm almost, I, I did cry during the movie. I'll say that. I cried at one moment in particular. And um, I thought you would. I felt like this you would have a stronger effect on you than it than it would on me. Probably because you're a, a daddy. Daddy. <laughs> there was definitely daddy stuff in there. I, I'm yeah. not gonna lie. But um, that wasn't quite daddy. the. There wasn't quite the reason. The reason that it kind of 
impacted on me the way it did. The sadness is all on the observer. You're watching sad situations and nobody's getting sad. You're watching a daughter just basically, she's a bitch, by the way, just basically dismiss, just basically dismiss her parents' presence in Tokyo. And you're just there thinking, you don't know, like you, you do get, even though it does turn out to, of course, be the, the last time she'll see her mother alive, really, she doesn't know it, but she's also not paying attention to that, which is like essentially a Buddhist ideal. And I get the the political undertones of that. That's the Western culture invading Japan post-war, etc. But that is, that to me, that those parts are sad. The fact that you're observing sad situations. No one on screen is sad, but you recognize them so much. And, you know, but they, personally, they made me sad, you know. I did find those uh, to be quite impactful. I did also think that it, it dragged on a tiny bit, maybe about 20 minutes. Two Sorry, hours, was- 13. I mean, yeah. come on now. We should be clocking this one in under two hours, really. The first 20 minutes, I mean, okay, this is a... It's one of those film which was one of those films which has like very strong, clearly defined characters, and you're aware of who they are. At the start of the film, I was a little confused. I did kind of, I was going like, "Wait, who's the actual <laughs> child of the parents, and who's the, the the like husband or wife?" But it does actually become clear very like pretty quickly who's who, yeah, yeah, yeah. who they are, what they do. Um, there is a handy little family tree on the. Uh, wiki entry i saw that yeah but i I didn't understand the reasons for it you want to talk a little bit about the plot should i go into the plot yeah why not okay so i'm just gonna call these guys by their roles in the family quite frankly um because i can't remember many of their names so we got this old um couple from a fishing village way away from tokyo at least at least 12 hours train away maybe more because uh, it's referred to how long it'll take them to get back and forth their, their youngest son is in uh, Osaka, which is on the way to Tokyo. And then their son is in Tokyo and their daughter also lives there. Their daughter-in-law uh, and their son is dead, is there too. Uh, this is um, Noriko. Wait, how many living kids do they have? They've got one, they have four. two, three, what? four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Because they live, they live at home with, uh, with their primary school uh, actual daughter, their youngest daughter. And then they yeah, go and she's this... in the the actress who plays that character is in both films. Is she? Yeah, she plays Anju. I did not notice that. Okay. Yeah. Her cool. name is uh, Kyoko Kagawa. Fair play to her. I mean, yeah. that, she's made history, really. And you know what? She's still alive. She was born in 1931. Wow. She's 91 years old. Anyway. Anyway, indeed. I did, that's not one of the cast members I picked up on. There's not much information on the cast I, members. I, no, I didn't defense. do anything about cast. <laughs> Anyway, no, 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 I have a little bit, but there's not much about them. It's tough. It's tough. These are just like, they're like jobbing actors from 70 years ago from a completely different culture. Uh, Any road, the parents get the train into um, Tokyo. They're going to visit their kids um, and the kids just don't seem to have much time for them. Their daughter uh, runs a, a salon. Their son is a local doctor and a suburb of Tokyo. The only one that seems to have a bit of time for them is um, their daughter-in-law, wife of their dead son who died in the war, um, Noriko. Well, she he's, he's bit... like missing, isn't he? He's been missing for Yeah, it's kind years. of presu- it's presumed he's dead. 
I mean, he might just uh, be like one of those guys who's like still in the jungle. In the jungle in the Philippines, yeah. <laughs> shooting at tourists in the 1970s. <laughs> um, real guys, look them up. Uh, anyway, they get along there. The they have a trip. Their grand their grandkids are kind of awful, but there's the, there is one wonderful shot. I, I suppose we should what you're talking about. I th- I suppose that uh, we we should go into um. Ozu's style a little bit here. Let me let me just check. Is the shot that you like? Is it the grandmother and the grandkid out yeah. on the sort of bank thing near the yeah. house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was. Where he goes, oh, uh, oh, there they are, and um, it's yeah. just nice. It doesn't no matter what they're up to together. It's yeah, just, they're just they having are. like a really really human moment. Um, and there's there like clearly he's going for these. This is like I didn't just make that up. Mike Lee and Terence Davies are huge fans of Ozu. Like they're he's I think he's number one in one or both of their uh, sight and sound top tens in the last three countings. Like he's their guy, and it is for these moments that like so the camera hardly 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 ever moves in the whole thing. It's just pointing at an angle yeah. of the house, uh, and if they move to the next room, even if they have to go down a hallway to get to their eventual destination, we'll have a flat sort of 90 degree shot of their movement just passing through the frame until they go up the stairs or something so it's just and when characters speak to each other the camera cuts to look directly in the actor's eye like it's it's quite something but it is very effective still today i mean obviously loads of people have copycatted it even silence of the lambs takes this during the clarice and uh, hannibal conversations the looking in the eye put the audience right there but I mean, it is it is still quite effective. Anyway, they arrive there. The teenage grandson is being a bit of a shit. The younger one, less so. They have a trip arranged for um, the parents to go out and see Tokyo, but then their son gets called to a doctor's appointment last minute, and they're like, oh, I be- guess we better just sit on our Todd. Then the daughter calls the daughter-in-law, Noriko, and says, can you take him out? And she does take him out, and she's very nice to them, um, and it's all very well and good. Then their actual biological son and daughter get together and say, how about we send them off to these springs? And they're like, oh, we're so grateful. We'll go off to these springs. And they have a, you know, a kind of a nice time there. But it's also... It's hard to sleep because there's lots of young people having fun and making yeah, noise yeah, yeah. in the middle of the, the night. And all the walls are made of paper. <laughs> so, <I> mean, <laughs> the entire country is made of cardboard. Yeah, yeah. so it's tough to get past that. Yeah. So it's actually a really sweet moment in the movie I found where they get up the next morning and they're taking a walk and the father says to uh, the mother, it's like, let's just, let's just go home. You're yeah. homesick as well. I yeah. Go I like home. that too. I like the idea of them. I was like, I want them to go home. I want well, them like to be they... happy and go back to their nice little country town. I don't know how good we are at judging the acting of like uh, Japanese performers from the fifties, yeah. but it seemed to me like good acting. I found it moving. Seems they solid. Just seem, yeah. They seem so comfortable with each other. And it's like, yes, let's do it. And then, Again, a very it's probably the most dramatic moment in the movie, and it hardly ever ha- it hardly even happens. Is um they go to to leave and the grandmother, the mother, struggles to get up for a second. And... <laughs> which in, in yeah, which in cinema language means uh oh, she this is bad news. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's she's, true. she's marked for death. It's nice. But they don't do they don't do it in a dramatic way. 
to be fair. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it, it's not like she's she's. <clears throat> it's not like. Well, it does. It does kind of speak no, to it's, that. No, it's like, Chekhov's gun. Cough. It's it, yeah, 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 it, yeah. It is gun. Hundred percent. Like you know what's happening from that moment. But they go back to Tokyo. The daughter is disappointed to see them there because she wanted to have a <laughs> meeting of beauticians. Ugh, what an awful bitch. Then, then they go off and be homeless well, in a She has her own life as well. No, I don't buy that. I, th- I do think the kids are poor, are poor form in this. It's it's a tough one. It's a tough one because they've all moved to Tokyo, I assume, because like it was tough to make money and find work where they were from. Yes, yes, yes. But they've. it's also... It's a direct. It's the contrast that the film is after. That's like the daughter and the son are kind of sons are kind of uh, materialists, Western materialists in a sense. I, I guess. And the the pace at which the parents move around. I mean, the pace that the film moves around is pure Buddhism. It's like life. It's pure Ferris Bueller. Also, like life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop around, stop to you know observe it once in a while, you might miss it. And like life is just happening around them, and even even at the end when we'll get to it when the when the mother dies, the daughter expresses something very materialistic. But anyway, they get back there, and uh, the daughter makes them homeless for a little bit before Noriko gets back from work, and the mother goes stays with Noriko, and the father goes drinking goes out with, on the his, lash with goes on the lash with absolute legends. It is actually I like that as a going on the lash scene, to be honest. Um, because he hadn't seen the boys in years, and they all just go hit up the sake. Yeah, and they uh, go and like hassle the uh, lady in the bar who's pouring their drinks. Yeah, know, I, 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 yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying I approved of the behavior, but I like the are, same. That's what you were saying. <laughs> no, I, I thought was, I thought was nice. I thought it was good. Like all men of a certain age all meeting up <laughs> in yeah, a yeah. different place, and, and the guy could remember that time with that geisha that one time. Yeah, oh, she was so hot, man. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're getting at. And then they get kicked out of the bar and they go back to the daughter's house and two of the boys pan out and sleep in the chairs. The daughter's disgusted with the father. I hated the daughter most of all in that moment. I was just like, we don't know what an alcoholic the guy was in his younger days. Now, to be fair, it is, bad. it is alluded to in the film. That's true. But she's disgusted with the fact that he's drunk. And uh, he says, ah, oh, it's just a hiccup, just a little mistake. They leave the next day on the train uh, they have to get off the train because the mother feels faint. This is a classic example of something that happens in Ozu, where you don't see the thing that's talked mm, about they, happen yeah, on screen. Um, they stay with the son. You don't actually ever see them meet the younger son. And then they get back and she gets sick and everybody's telegrammed to come along. And they all do come along. The mother dies. The youngest daughter is very upset with the, because... The older daughter just says, hey, can I have these clothes that belong to mom? <laughs> and she also says one of the reasons that mom died is because she's fat. Yes. That's why she died so quickly. That is mentioned. Fat. That is um, mentioned. Is that technically correct? Okay. And then um, they all go back to Tokyo and the father's just kind of left on his own. And uh, that's the end of uh, Tokyo story. Yeah, dad's going to have a great time. Did you watch this all in one go? Time. Uh, yes, with short breaks to like Google random things where I was like, where's Onomichi? Okay. It's near Hiroshima. All right. I can't remember what else I looked up. I was kind of remembering places that I'd been to and go, and then I was going like, where in Tokyo are they? It's the kind of, um, it's the kind of film that tests the uh, attention span of the modern viewer. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Even though it is compelling, I wouldn't say it's boring. No, but it's, it's slow. 
It's slow. Deliberately it's so, like slow. Like you said, the camera's not moving. It's stationary. They had to build uh, roofs and ceilings for the sets because okay. the the camera was on the floor, so they could see the ceiling. Which is, I love that. I mean, I love that just to to like make someone else's job incredibly difficult because of that uh, choice. But then, I mean, Good that effort. does go to, go to show he was a visionary in his way. You sure, know? he loved it. Yeah. Right, so that's probably three of the five big classic Ozus you're supposed to see that I've seen. This I would I would recommend to you um, late spring. I really thought that was great. But I don't know how quick again I'd watch this. Do you want to hear a tiny bit about uh, about two members of the cast? If you can tell me anything about any of these people, I'll be very impressed. Go. All right. Okay. Here we go. So Setsuko Hara, aka Noriko, mm-hmm. uh, she is she's often thought of as Japan's greatest actress. Mm. Um, she quit acting. So she shared one thing with Ozu as well. She was a heavy smoker, heavy drinker. She quit acting um, when Ozu died, and when it became oh. a complete recluse on a like a, a Japanese island. Didn't do um, any interviews. Claimed to have disliked acting, and um, yeah, she lived to be ninety five. Oh think. wow, she, she to, died in twenty fifteen. Yeah, mad. she lived to be an older age. Claimed to dislike acting. But everybody who was ever with her on set, she she was really into it. So the speculation is she had, she was romantically involved oh, with those who okay. she quit the moment they were done. Um, and the one other person who appeared in every uh, every Ozu post-war movie is uh, the father, uh, Chisu Ryu, every post-war uh, Ozu mm-hmm. film. And he was from one of the wilder like Japanese islands, but he never oh, dropped his... Yeah. He never dropped his accent or anything. And um, one film critic once wrote an article that said, why I hate Chisu Ryu. But then loads of people like wrote out in support and said, fuck you, lady, you're a stupid bitch. Uh, so Twitter before Twitter, really. That's one thing I was wondering watching the film. I was like, "Are do these people have strong accents, like regional Apparently accents? He does. I have no idea. I, I, totally, he does. I, just, I just can't tell at all. So, yeah. So, t- like... The three pillars of like the golden age of Japanese cinema, it's Akira Kurosawa, obviously, Ozu, and who's our other boy? Kenji Mizuguchi. Mizuguchi. Kenji. Now, is this the first uh, of his films you've seen? I've seen the other I had never one. heard of the guy until the other day. This is the thing. I don't consider, I've seen a lot of films and I feel like I've read quite a lot of about film in general and the usual uh as I said, arty, snobby stuff. So I was quite surprised. I'd never heard of this guy at all. Ugetsu is supposed to, is his more lauded film. Uh, and I had seen Ugetsu. So I just threw this up on a whim to go with a Tokyo story. But as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, I was not expecting to get genuinely one of the best films I've ever seen. Sancho Dayu. So based on a, a short story, which translates as Sancho the Steward. Is he a bailiff? When I think of bailiff, I think of people like yeah, going that's into not houses, what a bailiff is. That's what it, and like taking catching your TV people back. cheating. Yeah, I yeah, that's yeah. What, I thought bailiffs yeah, yeah. are like I'm gonna take away your PS5 and stuff because you yeah, know, that is what a bailiff is. Bills, right? So when I saw the name of the movie, I thought it would be somebody who'd be like 
morally questionable questioning himself about being you know Doug the bounty hunter in feudal Japan uh, this isn't for me I need to sort myself out and be a Buddhist should this story be called something else I be called, it's is, a good is, point is what's the Japanese really title the, Sancho Dayo it's the same it's Dayu it's the same thing well then I don't get it because I guess because they want the baddie to be up there and like I don't know well, I don't know, because I suppose maybe, I mean, as a child, he says he'll live by his father's values, but it's only through viewing the intense suffering in the like slave colony, for want of a better term, the slave manor, uh, that he actually views, uh, learns to live life that way. I think I would have called it Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. <laughs> I think that would have been much better. Or what uh, about Zushio and Anju? What about him? Could have been. <laughs> what about man, boy grows up and sister kills self and boy is slave and then eventually prison color in Yeah. And then yeah. meets blind mom on beach. Is she blind at the end? Yeah, that's why she has to use her fingers to touch touch his face and touch the little statue thing. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Well, I mean, it certainly gives the impression of something being based on like a fable or something. Yeah, it um, does. It has like a lot of anime and like games and stuff like that have this type of story of the the kid who's was born to like a royal family and then ends up growing up in some little town as a peasant and then they have to reclaim their status and etc etc it's quite typical incredible uh long takes in parts mm. that are like so Cameras well move orchestrated yeah you're not expecting it from films of this epoch you're just not yeah 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 um, There's one shot I remember where they're like walking through flowers or like like reeds or something like tall kind of plants. Yeah, and yeah, the camera's yeah. like up on the top of a sort of hill, like bank type thing, and it's just moving along. I'll it's tell you a, the scene where shot. the the scene where the children get kidnapped is yeah, like it's it's intense, like nothing I've I've seen from that era. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really believable and and scary, and it's the film is unexpectedly. Brutal in parts. The part where he he brands the old slave, um, devastating in others. As you so mentioned, the, the suicide, the reunion. Nothing. Nothing is shown. Like obviously, this is basically like a you, and you know it covers some incredibly dark stuff. I found it really, really depressing. <laughs> it's a. <laughs> It's tough, it's, yeah. It, it is. is it's one it's of the, a tough movie. It's a film where I was just like, "Oh my god, you're just going to like brutalize these characters over and over again, and then you know, there's <laughs> not going to be a real happy ending at the end of this." What was the um? What was the toughest part of the film for you? Probably the sister walking out into the water. That when you realize she's going to really awful. Yeah, because you did you know she was going to do that straight away? When she said it to the old woman. Yeah, she's, it became clear. She's like, I don't want to get tortured. I'm not going to give up my brother. Yeah, so, but I mean, I only realized it when she started walking into the lake. Uh, personally, maybe I'm a dum-dum, but I, I thought it was a, quite a big dramatic pop. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That, that was pretty devastating. It's a, it's a much more like if, if we think about these two films together, Sancho the Bailiff is a much more kind of traditional form of 
storytelling or film or whatever that's just laying it all out for you and going like look this is a drama <laughs> this yeah, things yeah. are happening here mad things are happening here that are, are going to affect you and uh, if if i had to choose between the two i'm like listen okay just give me this all day just, yeah no just i'll, I'll, I'll watch it i'll watch I this mind. again I'll, I'll i will watch this again i am um, i think i don't care i i, I want people <laughs> I want people crying and having some kind of reaction to their horrible situation, I think. Do what did you cry watching this? No, I came close at the end. What I mean is like seeing the characters actually responding to how bad their situation is. As opposed yeah. to like, you know, adult children in, in the other film just kind of going like eh. It devastated me um a more like I didn't cry during this one, but it devastated me when um because obviously the second the priestess shows up, we know she's she's going to kidnap the kids. We know it. So when the kids... She also takes the kids, when she takes the kids and the and, and the lady down to the beach and the guys that are going to take them on the boat are like doing the kind <laughs> of... <laughs> Evil, maniacal yeah. laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. We going. had to know they were baddies. We, had to make we did know they were baddies. Um, they were men. Yeah, do you want to roll through the plot of this fucker? Sure. It starts off, there is a governor in some fairly rural area of the uh, country. It's set during the Heian period, which I, I, I looked that up. That's like around about kind of 800 to 1200. Oh, so, so it's this the worst. It's probably, this is probably like the late 12th century. Um, so not very fun. Not a fun time. So no fun. The father of this family is a governor who seems like he's kind of made friends with all the peasants that he's supposed to be uh, getting taxes from. And so he gets banished by the uh, feudal lord and sent away to somewhere, some far off place. And then his wife and two children and their servant are just kind of left, left to get on with it. There's, there seems like there's a weird time jump quite early on there. Because they, they're are are they not like really young kids at the start, and then slightly older, or are they just the same age the entire time at the start? No, I think they're the same age the entire time at the start. Uh, maybe I just I got. <laughs> I, I think at first I couldn't tell which one was a boy and which one was a girl. <laughs> so it wasn't clear to me. But yeah, so the remaining family decide to to move on. What's their plan? Where are they supposed to go? Well, they're going visiting the father. That's the idea at the start yeah. is they're going to try and reach the reach the dad, hmm. but he's away and wherever. So they Where's have to figure out to, yeah. the mom and the kids uh, are kind of out in the middle of nowhere. They're camping. Uh, and then this high priestess lady comes and says, hey, I, I'm going to I'm going to take you in and then I'm going to uh, have some porridge. Yeah, have some of this lovely parts and I'm going to put you on a boat that's going to take you to where you're trying to go. But it turns out that the mother, this this uh, priestess, is actually a baddie and has sold them into slavery. She's in league with slavers, and the mom gets taken to Sado Island, and she becomes uh, a courtesan, a courtesan, a hua, I believe. A hua. That's another name for that. And then the kids. Like, I'll tell you one thing that's quite good about the film uh, in terms of how it deals with things is there's no. You see these kids being sold into slavery, and at no point does anything okay it's bad that they're physical slaves and have to do slave labor but nothing else happens there's guys actually turning them down and saying they're too scrawny i don't want these kids 
It's the only time I think anyone has ever tried to sell kids and that I got turned away and had a tough time. <laughs> oh, you mean there's no pedophiles in, in, in yes, this movie? Yes, basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, I, I, that's that's the the one good thing about this time in this in this film. The kids are just they're there to work, and that's it. Yeah, it makes you think. I mean, society back then was so into what value could you could bring as a person. It must have been difficult as a pedophile to make any money to buy <laughs> slaves. Why is that? I don't know, because they always just sort of seem such worthless people, you know? I mean, what worth could someone like Jimmy Savile have brought to the world if the 90s wasn't inter- entertaining dickheads? I don't know. It's a good point if you think about it. <laughs> okay, I'll think about Whatever. it. Whatever. I don't have anything to respond to that. Uh, so anyway, yeah, the mother's taken away to to Sado Island, Sados, and uh, the, kids just taken, Sados. the kids are sold to uh, some guy called Sancho, Sancho the Bailiff. Title of the, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's what when they first meet him, they go, "You're the guy from the name of the film." <laughs> You're that guy, and uh, yeah, they, here here there's a time jump, right? Ten years or so, eight years, something like that. Yeah, not before. First of all, though, we see. Um, a runaway slave get branded because oh, uh, yeah. That, yeah that's how we get to so, and uh, the kids are like that's horrifying but then time jump and- time jump and then uh zushio the uh, brother we we see some other slave try to run away and then zushio's out there going like get him he went yeah, that he give, way he gives him the branding and then, and then zushio has to do the branding so it seems at this point you're like the uh boy zushio is kind of dead inside and you like these years of being a slave have kind of turned him into a sort of piece of shit like everyone else there whereas the sister the sister sister still has her soul the sister's a goodie and uh she's still kind of wants to to get back to the mom yeah and the late and uh the lady who helped them out initially is like dying of old age and the Mm -hmm. brother gets orders to just dump her out in the woods and uh, this is the the point where the plot kind of kicks off, I suppose. Yeah. So Zushio and Andrew go out into the woods. Zushio, well, Andrew tells Zushio that he's beautiful run away. shots. This stuff, like it, it yeah. all just looks. Yeah, actually, just to put pause on it, like the sets that are built, the natural landscapes, everything. It looks fantastic. Just for, and like it's so. Sp- Special to see stuff like this from stuff shot in this era because everything used to be shot in a studio. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. No, this Fucking is everything. But this is such like the woods sequences where they yeah, escape yeah. are like, oh my god, gorgeous to look at. Yeah. So anyway, Andrew tells Zushio to escape on his own because if the two of them go together, they're gonna get caught. So and she tells him like, hey, come back and rescue me after you've you know made it to daddy to daddy. And so Zushio runs away. He escapes. And as we've uh, hinted earlier, Anju, realizing that she's going to be tortured to give up her brother, decides instead to to walk out into the sea and kill herself, you which know, is fairly fa- brutal. Incredibly moving moment, yeah. It is very, very moving. And then eventually, uh, Zushio goes to first to like a Buddhist temple where he meets up with Sancho's son, no? That guy Taro who's in the temple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, Sancho's yeah. son who's, who's left because his dad's a big dick. And... Uh, after that, he goes to see like the big, big lord, yeah, the big feudal lord guy, 
And the feudal lord at first is like, who the fuck are you? And throws him in a little jail yeah, cell. Yeah, thing. he's coming on like a medieval Mark Chapman when he first appears. There's a lot of that, of like going down on your knees and going like, super sense, super sense. And, and that actor like, Whoa, whoa, screams, get this fucking weird of the way from yeah, Absolutely yeah, yeah. screams the entire <laughs> time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so obviously this feudal lord is a bit weird to die. But eventually they find out that Zushio's got this artifact on him, which is from his dad, which was handed down to his family for years, and it's linked to the feudal lord's family. So the lord guy is like, "All right, clearly you are who you, you're. You're the guy. You're the man. I'm gonna send you back to where to Sancho's neighborhood of uh, Tango, mm-hmm. where they make the uh, the fruit based drink. And uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna make you we're gonna make you lord of the manor." But, and and then Zushu was like, "All right, sign, so I can go back and free all the slaves." And and the the feudal lord guy's like, "Well, no, hell no." He exactly. says, "No, you can't be doing that because it's it's such a everything about this film is is the kind of class system, the feudal system. Everyone there's like a kind of caste system. Everyone is who they are, and they're in their roles." And you have your role to play, and you need to respect the people above you. And you're, you're like slavery's fine, uh, but he goes back. He goes back to the to Tango, and he puts up signs saying all the slaves are free. And then Sancho's men. Man, if only had somebody had thought of signs in the American South. I know that's all you need to do is put up a sign. They wasted once so you much manpower on battles. Though, once you knock oh, those yeah, signs true. down, though, it takes away the power. That's what yeah, we yeah, yeah. As soon as the sign was down, the guys just kind of go brush there. They're like, okay, that's it. It's all good. Then they just spot another one 20 feet down the road. Ah, damn it. These guys are good. The slaves are freed. By the way, what do the slaves do the second they get freed? As soon as they start rebuilding a society? No. Set fire to the house. Like a bunch of mongrels. There was part of me that did think at that point. There was part of me that did think at that point, like, hmm, maybe Sancho had a point. Maybe Sancho was Oh, my God. They make disgraces of themselves now in the first in the first night. But here's the thing, though. Okay, so like Zushio frees the slaves, takes Sancho into custody, and then he resigns straight away. Mm. If you do that, is that not just going to put everything back to the way it was? Is slavery <laughs> feeling like if you're like, okay, I resign, the next guy is going to go like, all right, so slavery's back. No, are we not going to bring back slaves? I mean, I suppose if you're going at realism, um, but he's if you're going by medieval logic, He's freed a certain amount of slaves. And also, if you're going by, I suppose, the father's logic, the father's, which is be hard enough as you want in yourself, just have mercy for other people. Um, and he's at this point discovered that his sister uh, died, his sister killed her, yeah. herself. So he's being hard enough on himself there, but he's still going to be merciful and release the slaves, no matter how ridiculous it gets. Would be my interpretation. Anyway, after Zushio resigns, he decides to go looking for his mother. He goes over to Sado Island and uh, he finds out, well, some man says that she died. Not before a hooker with the same name as his mom comes on to him. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah, which is In also a, fun. A thrilling scene. Yeah. Uh, a scene that um, poor old Kenji did not realize would inspire many, many, many pornos <laughs> in many years to come. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's what happens in that scene. And then he goes down to the beach and he finds this lady singing a song. It's a song we've heard throughout the film, multiple people singing it, and it's about him and his sister. 
and then uh, he reveals who he is to his mom, and eventually his mom goes, "Oh my God, it's you, it's you, son." And then he tells her that uh, his sister and 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 their father has has died, and and he says sorry for not coming sooner, but he's he has lived true to his father's teachings and has been a good a good person. And, and his, his mother his said, mommy, "Of course, he says, yeah, obviously, yeah, duh, duh, duh." I mean, it it is. It's kind of it's it's one of those you know. It's a perfect movie. It's so good. It's uh, um, one of those endings that's I guess positive, but you know we had to go through all kinds of horrible shit to get there. Yeah, they're not Frank Darabonting this one. Like uh, it's it's yeah. it's tough. It's tough going, but it, it's um, for a movie that's so um, brutal. It's also quite. Like it's it's adventurous. There's an adventure. The movie there the movie yeah. is an adventure. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's horrifying. It, it definitive in sort of what it wants to say. It's I I genuinely think this is. I've said it multiple times in this. Part, I think this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, obviously that list is probably fifty long, but still, I've seen a lot of movies, and this is definitely on there. Of wow, this is perfect. This is amazing. It feels like it's not well known though. I mean, I guess it is in, you know, it, film critic circles, but... Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't appear, like, people would know Tokyo Story much more yeah, than this, yeah. for example. I feel that way. Uh, people Martin would even Scorsese know the... Yeah, Martin Scorsese is a big fan. 39 essential foreign films for a young filmmaker. I mean, there's yeah, plenty yeah. of other fans of, you know, Eber, etc. I mean, there's, you know, there's tons of people who are fans of this film, but... Um, and but it also won the Silver that, Lion at the Venice Film Festival. Yeah, it did very well, but I'll recommend this to people. I like I will because it is definitely. It's like it's extremely moving. It's exciting. Um, it, honestly, unless people are like okay, some people have an aversion to black and white movies. Some people maybe which is have that's an how I felt at the start. I mean, that was that some was how I maybe... felt in the in the three months leading up to watching this of just going like, <laughs> oh man, it's just going to be tough. It's going to be hard, and it was not hard going at all. Some people might have an aversion to subtitled movies, but like if they can get past either of those two vices and they just genuinely like movies, this is so compelling. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, it's on YouTube. It's so easy to watch. Yes. Big fat recommend. Definitely. So what are we watching next week? Well, I recently we rewatched the Taking a Pelham one, two, three, the seventies one. Yeah, excellent. Good one. The good perfect one. movie. Perfect movie. I would say. And I think that's it's a great, a great, great fantastic. film. Fantastic. And the thing that I'd completely forgotten this time is Walter Matthau is so funny. He's genuinely made me laugh so many times during the film. Is it him who says the final line? Gesundheit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. he's he's caught the the he's uh, caught the boy, sneezing yeah, yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That inspired me. I decided I'd like to watch 1968's The Odd Couple, which I've never seen. Sweet. I made a decision. I've said this before in this podcast, but I really hope you win this week. Yeah, me too, because I've seen your film. Have you actually? I have. Yeah. because my... And I didn't enjoy it. I'll tell you that now. My film is Pier Paolo Pasolini's Salo or 120 Days yeah. of Sodom. I'm sorry. I, I, I was learning about Marquis de Sade recently and it became interesting to me. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's a, a film where they acted out. Yeah, exactly. The writings of the Marquis de Sade. Uh, it's not very nice. Okay. Maybe it's bad. You, I mean, I watched it like more than 20 years ago, but I didn't uh, I didn't have a good time with it. Guess whose favorite movie of all time it is? Mark Cousins. Gaspar Noe. 
Oh yeah, that's not surprising at all. Yeah, that's what you want. Same, it's the same same ideas there. All right, have you got a coin? Okay, well your options are heads or tails, and tails. <laughs> I'm absolutely delighted to tell you it's heads. <laughs> oh, thank God. It is heads. Look, I can confirm to a camera. That oh, thank God. All right. I'm, I don't ever actually want to watch that. I don't know why I was reading yeah, an article. Don't it was do it. Because don't I was... do it. It's not worth it. No, it's just because I was listening to a podcast with the Marquis de Sade and it got even interesting for a second, but then I realized I don't actually want to watch that. Thank God. All right. The odd couple. What might I have won? Wait, is, isn't the film uh, Quills, isn't that about the Marquis de Sade? Yes. That's yeah, a good movie. That's, that's worth watching. Yeah, I watched that years ago. I enjoyed that. Well, what you would have won is um, Pier Paolo Pasolini's film Teorema, or Theorem, starring Terence Stamp. Oh, I've actually heard that's really good. Yeah, I just I just wanted to see Terence Stamp in a in a foreign film. I just thought it'd be like yeah, interesting. Oh, like Giza. Yeah, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I was pick. I was looking Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon. Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon. Either way, Matthau, it's going to be pretty Jack. good. It is. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be watching Billy Wilder's movie, The Apartment, which I've the never apartment. Seen. Nice, solid. Have you I seen that? Seen, no, no, I haven't. I think you've maybe put up for a toss, or I did ages ago. Oh, so, sweet. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. This is it. This nice. Is be actual fucking... good films. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these were good films. Uh, I know, but these I know, were... I know. In fairness, but I mean, <laughs> Western films with people speaking English. <laughs> White people with blue oh, eyes. Thank God. <laughs> Finally. Uh, no, this was a kick-ass week. Um, if people are into visiting art museums regularly, by all means, check out, check out Tokyo Story. But definitely anybody with any even more than a passing interest yes. in film... Sancho the Bailiff is exquisite. Um, if you're one of the mad people that listen to this even without watching the films, definitely watch Sancho the Bailiff. Even after if you've listened to us talk about it, it's still worthwhile. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's very dramatic, very moving, and we probably didn't do the story justice. No. All right, cool. Well, in that case, uh, see you next time for a Jack Lemon double bill. I love you. Bye-bye. I love you too. Bye. Bye.